0: For what is worth, I think, the tenants in the vineyard, obviously we tend to imagine, of course, Jesus was speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, but it's still relevant. This was being written to the early church, so it's still relevant to the leaders, bishops, priests of the early church, and I would even say it's relevant to all of those who are called to be shepherds. Parents, godparents, grandparents, all of us are implied in the role of the tenants of the vineyard of the Lord, and there's a lot of accountability placed upon us. And I love, in the reading, um, the Responsorial Psalm, we look at our, our church and the struggles we're going through, we want to sit there and say, Lord, why have you allowed this to happen to your vineyard? Why have you, in the psalm, broken down its walls or allowed certain parishes or buildings to be closed or ruined by the storm? But take care of this vine. protect the church that your right hand has planted. Then we will no more withdraw from you in worldly affairs. Give us new life, Lord, and let us call upon your name. Restore us. Like I said, we come to pray for that very intention. We come to ask the Lord to help us, to guide us in what needs to happen for the church. There's a lot of good, and obviously this is a beautiful community at St. Charles Borromeo. I think many of us are scratching our heads, well, thank goodness we're in the black, so we'll just pray for those churches that are struggling. And don't worry, a lot of people think, well, Father, are you coming to tell us we're closing? No. But I am coming to say, I think all of us need to pray and think ahead so that we won't be facing this question five or ten years down the road, or less than that. But I think of the vineyard and the struggles, and then the attitudes of St. Paul today, that he challenges us, we can have these attitudes. In the midst of the storms of the vineyard, he says, Have no anxiety at all. Let the peace of Christ, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. So when we read about the things going on in the church, the bankruptcy, the closing of churches or schools, like, do we let ourselves get anxious? Or rather, do we take St. Paul's advice and let the peace of Christ guard your mind and heart? And a lot of good things happening here at St. Charles Borromeo, a lot of graces, even yesterday, some of you did a a beautiful door-to-door mission. And I think that's kind of the the direction we need to go, is reaching out to, to touch more people. But I'll come back to that. I just want to share with you a few of my own reflections about the situation of the archdiocese, the the question of the sustainability of parishes and schools, or the bankruptcy situation, the Archbishop has been clear. When it comes to the parishes, and who was gonna stay open, who's gonna close, no decision has really been made other than this, that given our circumstances, both as an archdiocese and as local churches, things cannot remain as they have been. That's why the last several months, if not a year and a half, all churches have been invited to go through a serious reflection look at your situation know your situation and make some proposals towards not just the short term but especially the long-term future and development of the kingdom of christ in this area what are we going to do what do we need to do and i know that i'm speaking to many and each of you have your background your own attitudes towards what you read in the news or hear from the archbishop some have a great deal of love for your parish your pastor some love our archbishop some have a great deal of trust in the archdiocese Others maybe have a different situation or a different sentiment. So I know that this seed of my reflection may fall on different kinds of soil, if you will. But I simply ask for an open and prayerful ear and for the Holy Spirit to lead us, all of us, as one family of faith, wherever He needs us to be. And let me start by talking about storms. Because there have been a lot of storms, but I think we were previously unaware I feel like Ida was only one of many tremendous storms that our Catholic faith and church community has been facing for quite a long time. And in my personal opinion, I think Ida simply ripped off the band-aid, especially when insurance and FEMA didn't come through as quickly as we'd expected. Y'all know it's two years from Ida and you're just getting a roof on your church? Y'all know that, I don't have to say it. But just like realize, like, that's been frustrating for a lot of people, but it shouldn't really surprise us either. Recently, we've been forced to have very tough and sobering conversations and realize we were no longer riding the comfortable wave that we once had been riding. I think maybe in some ways we've ignored things for a long time, and some of these tough conversations were long overdue. Ida was one storm, but that storm followed upon a global pandemic with a total economic and social shutdown, and many churches, when they were closed to the public, had to pull from their savings just to keep the electricity running and not let everything go to ruin. But even that second storm was coming behind the third storm, y'all know it very well, the scandal in the church. As we look some at so many of our brothers and sisters who have lost faith in the church, in bishops and priests and the pope, how could trusted shepherds do such things and how could those things be kept concealed? And from that, our own archdiocese has been locked, has been locked in lawsuits and a bankruptcy of reorganization The storm after storm, and that alone—just those three—would have been, and Archbishop has said this, the perfect storm to cripple any archdiocese in any church. But I think there is more than that. The storm of the demographic changes that have been going on for a long time. Recently, I think this was May of this year, an article listed the demographic changes nationwide, population decreases nationwide. St. John's Civil Parish on that list was number two. That's right down the road. St. Charles Civil Parish, that's us, we were number eight nationwide for major population shifts, people moving, people leaving certain areas. And that's a reality. I think for me that's the main thing that we're talking about that we have to confront looking at at the future of the physical footprint of the church in this area. Because many are facing a diminishing population with little hope that the community may ever be as numerous as it once was. But there's another storm, think of the financial storm, the economic storm. Did your utilities and insurance decrease or increase this past year? Increase, probably drastically, increased. And you only have one house or maybe a second house to pay for. Parishes have three, four, five buildings. You have a school, there's six or seven buildings. Each of those has a major insurance bill. And then you've got a parish down the road with three more buildings. And another parish down the road with four more buildings. That's a lot of buildings in a small radius. Each of those with, I don't know, if you total the insurance costs? Well, don't do it, because it's a lot of money just for insurance on buildings. And then you think of salaries. When your costs are increasing and your teachers and staff costs are increasing for their own personal lives, do you lower their salaries to save money? No, you have to increase their salaries to be fair to them. But the thing about that, the population may be decreasing the contributors are diminishing, but the costs are going up. What does that mean? That the few who are paying are going to have to pay more. <laughs> they might get tired of paying more. So what do you do? And who's in charge of that? We'll come back to that. Another storm is the vocational crisis. we to hear more about that, but thankfully I think in New Orleans we were blessed not to have felt it quite so hard. We're so used to priests that if one pastor retires or dies, and we have had a number of pastors die just in the last two years, we just presume that we are entitled to another pastor. But that ignores, I think, that we don't have any priests sitting idle on the sidelines. Think about this for a moment. If for one parish to get a new pastor, we're getting to the point where another parish will have to lose their pastor. Is it going to be your parish? My parish? My parish? Who's gonna give up their pastor? Who's gonna be happy to give up their pastor and not get another one? Or it means that certain pastors already exhausted with one parish may have to take on two or three parishes. And that's just the quantity of vocations. What about the quality of the vocational situation? Anybody want the mean priest as your pastor? Nobody wants the, the poor mean priest. Nobody wants the mean priest. We do have them. I mean, I like to think that I'm perfect, but my parishioners remind me that I'm not. <laughs> but it's true, and, you, and you are, I don't know if you realize this, but you have two priests here, two priests, and they both have English as their first language. And they're both generally nice guys, generally speaking. <laughs> but that's, not, that, that's really a gift, and I hope you realize what you have while you have it. Because it's a tremendous privilege that you have, that not everyone has. And that's something for us to really ponder. I do hear about people every now and then. If father preaches something from the pulpit or says something to them that mits them or pushes them the wrong way, they're like, well, forget it, I'm done. And they leave their parish. But who is hurt when you leave? The community is hurt. The community is diminished because you're not there to fill in the hole that you were filling. There's a link in the chain that's no longer there. But it's real, and that's just a symptom of the real vocational crisis. That, the reality of that storm. Another storm I'll mention is the storm of secularism and social division. In other words, a conglomeration of ideas and ideologies which, although different and even divisive among themselves, seem to have one common fruit. The cultural pull upon our friends and our families to distance themselves from the Catholic faith and from greater participation in the church mission. If you think about the, the parable of the the soil, the the seed among the different kinds of soil, I think secularism is like the thorns, literally the worldly anxieties and concerns that crop up and suffocate the spiritual life. And we see that every day. How many times we can't make it to Mass, we can't participate in the church things because of worldly things, the the work, the career, the school obligations, the extracurriculars, the travel ball. I mean, it's real. The secularism is is very much there. Secular culture normalizes and even promotes sin. Sin while ridiculing faith much less church authority the idea that God would give his authority to the Catholic Church to the teachings or the leadership of the Catholic Church it encourages religious indifference it undermines zeal for any truth I want to be spiritual but I don't want to belong to a church or be religious that's not common. To, that's not popular today in secular culture you can have your opinion, I have my opinion but you don't know the truth and you can't judge me that's secular culture, and it's rampant today. Sadly, statistics show that less than half of even Catholics today believe that Jesus is truly present in the Blessed Eucharist. How did so many lose that faith? And how long has this storm been raging? So this had a lot of storms. A lot of things have been going on for a long time. And without a lot of recovery, you all know what happens when you don't make any reparations, any repairs, After the storm you get worse, things get worse, the price of repair increases because the damage is getting worse. We simply saw pews somewhat diminishing year after year. I think at times we have been dazed and just pushing forward, hardly able to respond to the new situations and the new needs. We did not downsize, nor spend more strategically. We had no plan. And our own parishioners were not aware of the seriousness of our situation. We told ourselves that since the church doors were still open, we must be doing just fine. And then Ida hit, insurance has had to be portioned out, and we hear talk of parish sustainability or parishes or schools closing, and we're surprised. But should we be surprised? Why are we surprised? And in this situation, with diminishing populations and havoc amidst so many storms, Can you afford so many parishes and so many buildings? Is it wise to try to maintain everything the way it was, just because it's always been that way? Do you exhaust your limited insurance funding to rebuild every building or parish that same way it was, without at least stopping and challenging every parish to reflect first, look at their situation, and propose what would be best for them in their new circumstances? Which is what the Archdiocese is challenging all of us to do and to take seriously. One more storm, and with this I'll make a shift. I call this parochialism. And it's a sense that church, for me, is my own parish church in my own buildings, and it's the tendency as parishes to work like 111 private businesses under the umbrella of the corporate headquarters of the Archdiocese. In other words, amidst storm after painful storm, and with damage only increasing over time, We've rarely seen pastors collaborating with neighboring pastors who are also drowning in the same storms. There was no conversation about voluntarily consolidating our resources into one stronger community. Not for a long time. Each business was focused on its own right to exist, its right to remain a parish. Usually focused on, well, if we fundraise just enough money, we can pay our debts one more year to keep our doors open. But we are forgetting that we are all still children nourished by the one holy Catholic Church whose doors cannot close, even as certain buildings may need to close. Sometimes each individual boat seems to be so busy plugging its own holes, reluctant to join forces with neighboring boats in the same fleet. And yet I think if we keep that up, we're all going to sink. Parochialism has kept us paralyzed instead of working as one family against the same enemies and the same enemy. And personally, I want to take advantage of this moment. I want to apologize both as pastor and as dean, if over the last years I myself or others have worked so hard to build up a parish with people, activities, and buildings of our own, that we inadvertently also built up walls dividing the one holy Catholic Church. There's one church. Parish, that term parish, is simply an arbitrary and administrative subdivision of that one church. And that presumes that there are, there are far too many people or activities for the one shepherd archbishop to nourish and manage alone. So he appoints a pastor over an arbitrary, mostly geographic area and community. The community contributes towards whatever resources they need to extend Christ's kingdom in that locality. And, like the early church, They also contribute to the larger archdiocesan church community, their brothers and sisters. But it is always one church, one family, one faith, one shared mission, one church assembly. That's what what church means, right? Assembly, that God is gathering together into one holy communion. But in so many storms, and with all of our shared losses, Should we sustain so many divisions? And personally, I think that we do need to begin moving towards working more together, building a stronger communion, thinking strategically and thinking long-term, aware of the gravity of our storms and our losses. I don't think it's going to be enough for parishes simply to survive and pay their bills one more year if they're not thriving. This is not really a conversation about the financial viability of a parish, but about its growing vitality. Any dead fish can float downstream. It's the living fish that swims upstream and even counter current. And we're invited to ask ourselves as individual communities and as a local church in this area, are we alive or how alive are we? Are we thriving? Or are we just floating and kind of lucky to get enough in the collection to keep our doors open another year. And who's responsible for that? Is it the Archbishop? Is it the Pastor? Or who? We'll come back to that. I can understand when we hear about the diocese paying for Catholic Leadership Institute or other outside organizations to help facilitate a parish or school conversation about its future or about consolidation. And that's a painful process and I've heard a lot of frustration. And it's real. The struggle is real. But for me, it's mainly because none of us on our own showed the maturity to volunteer our own facilities to be those consolidated. We wanted our own doors open at any cost. Don't close our parish center, close their parish center. They should be the one to close. After Ida, I heard one leader in a damaged church decline another parish's offer to house their PSR program since their main buildings have been damaged. The response was, we don't want our kids helped by their PSR, they might not come back to us. What kind of division have we been encouraging in our church community? Sometimes I hear when some parish is doing something going on, the other parish down the road says, wait, we should do that, that's a great idea. Let's copy it and do it here. Why don't you go down the road and support the one taking place down the road? Why do another one? Why not make the first one bigger and more successful by supporting it? Why do you feel like that is not yours to support? Just because it's not within your own parish boundaries. It's not us versus them. Yo, know, I think St. Charles himself, St. Peter, St. Mark, St. Gertrude, St. John the Baptist, they would all say the same thing. It was never about the church of St. Charles Borromeo, or the church of St. Hubert, or the church of St. Peter or St. Mark. It was about the church of Jesus Christ. Build that kingdom. That's why we're here. And we do it together. If the next hurricane hits your church, which of course won't happen for another 200, 400 years, right? No more hurricanes for a while. But if it were to hit your church, you should know that the buildings of the functioning parish down the street are your buildings. And that the pastor there is your shepherd under the same archbishop. And vice versa. If this parish community doesn't get hit by the hurricane, but the one down the street does, they should feel... That this is their home. That you are their brothers and sisters. That this is their pastor. That they can come here and these buildings are theirs to use. Do they feel that now? Do we feel that now? Or do we not really feel that at all? We highlight insurance just because we know insurance is not going down. It's probably going to go up. How much longer do we imagine that any of us will keep our current buildings the way they are, at least fully insured? And if a hurricane does knock down one or two buildings in the parish, do you build them up to the same capacity of 2,000 or 1,000 people that they haven't held for a couple years or a decade? Do you maybe downsize a little bit? Do you want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on insurance on half-empty buildings? Or do you spend that money on people? What about Catholic education scholarships? What about those kinds of needs? It's a tough question, but that's why we're here to reflect for the next several months on on reality. What do we want to do? Where do we want to go? What do we want to build over the next several years or decades? Sometimes I do hear envious comments about certain parishes that are not, quote unquote, on the the chopping block to, to close. But I would say this no one should be sitting content or comfortable right now. No parish and no pastor. Any one storm a hurricane, skyrocketing insurance premiums, a change in leadership or pastor, a lawsuit could lead to closing our doors almost overnight unless we're willing to work differently more as one holy communion. So I do ask forgiveness if church leadership or even other church communities have put any obstacles in the way of this needed and truly Catholic community. Remember that word Catholic, universal, towards One. Don't worry, I'm finishing. But um, a couple of takeaways. First of all, I do think we need to overcome this paralysis of parochialism. We need to come together, think together, plan a little bit together. We need to work smarter, more strategically, more long term, getting out of ourselves, holding on tightly to the things that last and not to buildings as if the church were only about her buildings. The church is about souls, that temple of God, not buildings. St. Paul criticized the damnable divisions in the early church as if I am for Cephas or I am for Apollo or I am for Paul. He challenged them. Is Christ divided? Don't get me wrong. I think we know that the church, made up of human beings, is not immune to cultural divisions and social divisions. Think about the, um, in some areas, there were so many churches built right across the street from each other, especially in the 1800s and before. You know where that was, right? It was mainly because the Italian Catholics couldn't get along with the Irish Catholics. So they built separate churches. And now they're closing some of those churches. We are not of Destrahan, or of Luling, or of Norco, or of Laplace, or of New Orleans, of Uptown, of Metairie. I am not of my race, and you are not of your race. I should be more Catholic than I am Caucasian. My faith must run deeper than my social boundaries. Can we receive that? Because Catholic, universal, it implies that we're building bridges across things that separate us and divide us. Are we doing that? What does that look like? What should it look like? Little footnote, because I know you're familiar with programs like the Axe Retreats, that's, a, that's an example of something that is actually intentionally striving to bridge between cliques in a parish, or groups in a parish, or different parishes, to bring the people together as one people, even if they're using separate buildings for a time. That's kind of the direction I think we want to go. Not too long ago, like five or six years ago, the Archdiocese had the Synod of the Archdiocese. And a lot of the feedback was can't parishes work more together in their youth work or their different ministries? Why have separate ones for every parish and separate salaries for even each coordinator? Is that wise? So that's one thought, one takeaway to overcome that, that obstacle of parochialism. Secondly, we ask whose job is it to do these things? And so my second point is take ownership. All of us take ownership of the mission that Jesus Christ entrusted to His church, which we are that church. When He said at the Last Supper, as the Father has sent me, so I now send you. We need to swallow that, digest it, ponder it, realize what that means. The church is not just the pastor or the deacon or the archbishop or the consecrated religious men or women. We are that church. It's not just the staff in the office. We are that church. And we need to own the mission. When Jesus talks about the tenants in the vineyard, right? Again, that idea of going door to door, that's the idea. Because that's all of us involved in bringing the message of Jesus Christ out to, the, to grow the vineyard of the Lord. We need to be doing a lot of that. I think I heard it was like 12 or 15 or 20 people who went on it. What if that had been 200 people who actually had gone door to door? What if they do that next time? I think that's where our Lord is challenging us to own the mission and responsibility for bringing the gospel and all the resources of St. Charles Borromeo to the local community. I want to really invite us. Y'all are blessed. This is a beautiful Mass. You have mostly filled pews. But look around at the empty pews. There's a few empty pews. And think about the days when you have Mass and there's only half the church filled. A lot of churches go through that on a regular basis. No church was built to be filled to half capacity on a weekend. (laughs) That's not why you built it. We want to, I guess, feel the weight of that a little more. Feel the the healthy stress a little more. Did I do enough today to invite more people to come to the feast of the Lord? Did I do my part to bring people to confession? Take ownership of the communication in your parish. Who's in charge of making sure everything gets into the bulletin and doesn't get get missed? That's the secretary's job. No, that's our job. To make sure that she knows of things going on. And then that my friends know that, hey, there's a great opportunity at St. Charles coming up. Or there's a great opportunity at St. Joan of Mark and Laplace coming up. Are we promoting that? Are we sharing that with our school peers, our co-workers, in the teacher's lounge? Do we talk about those things? Y'all, I have a pet peeve. You want to know my pet peeve? When the parish posts something on Facebook and it gets one share, at least share it. At least do that. It's a click. Own it. Because your click gets our news to 20 more people or 30 more circles of people. Take ownership of that communication. To bring the faith to your school, private or public school, to bring it to your working place, to bring it to your circles of friends. Share it. Take ownership of the formation, not just of your own family. Yes, yeah, definitely that. Beginning with ourselves. But of the community. Who's in charge of PSR? Don't point to one person. It's not the DRE. All of us are in charge of PSR. All of us are in charge of the religion program at school. All of us have a role to play in making sure not just that every kid gets a semi-mediocre experience of the Catholic faith, but that it's high quality. A lot of times people take something they hear at church and, I don't know, maybe it's a social controversial issue, and they say, oh, if they tell all their friends, well, the church teaches that if you do that, you're going to hell. First of all, it's not what the church teaches. Secondly, you don't have a right to have a mediocre understanding of the Catholic faith. None of us has that right to be unable to explain to others, especially in these times, the easy and the hard teachings of the Catholic faith. We need to own that responsibility and not say, well, that's the teacher's job, or that's the DRE's job, or that's the father's job. That's our job. As tenants in the vineyard of the Lord, parents, godparents, grandparents, our Lord comes to his vineyard asking, why are your high schoolers, why are your middle schoolers, why are your college students, why are your college graduates not aware of the beauty and mystery of my Catholic faith, the gift of the Eucharist, the teachings of the church? How come none of them has a catechism that they read? Hashtag catechism in a year with Father Mike Schmitz. It's a great resource going on right now. Do we know about that? Whose job is that? If you haven't heard of reform.org, I think most parishes pay for that subscription. It's like a Catholic Netflix. Are we using it? I want advice to be creative as well in these things. Think out of the box a little bit. Because the old ways of doing things don't always work in today's day and age. You can knock on Father Mixie's doors. Y'all know Father Mixie doesn't do anything. Knock on his... I'm just kidding. But knock on his door and say, Hey, Father, we're having seven couples over to our house. Would you mind coming to hear confessions? Some of them haven't been in 20 years. Why not? Father, some of my 7th grade friends and I, we didn't really get a lot out of that last PSR session. We don't like the textbook that much. Um, but we want to do like a movie forum. Do you have any movies you would recommend and you want to come spend that time with us? We're going to invite other people. Take the initiative. Take the ownership to create initiative. Well, I don't know, Father. We don't have a, a working parish center. What are we supposed to do? Guys, the apostles didn't have a parish center. And they were just 12, and they brought the faith to the entire world wherever they could with whatever whatever means they were given. I know it's tough. We want to complain about the physical church building not being repaired as quickly as you want. And that's true. It's frustrating. But that's above my pay grade and your pay grade. I can't handle FEMA. I don't know how it works. I don't think anyone does. But also insurance, I, I can't help it. But the spiritual building of the church. That's very much in your hands and my hands to rebuild or build bigger. Y'all know the story of St. Francis, right? God appeared to St. Francis and said, St. Francis, rebuild my church. And St. Francis, scratching his head, didn't know exactly what that meant. So he went down to the church of St. Damon and he started repairing the steps to the church. And God was like, no, 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 not that church. The spiritual kingdom of Christ in the hearts of your neighbors, your brothers and sisters, the door next door that you knocked on yesterday that church if we focus on rebuilding that building and grow that spiritual body of Christ among our peers you won't need to close buildings because they will demand more buildings bigger buildings for more people but if we focus on complaining about the poor physical buildings ignoring our shared role in the spiritual mission you won't need any buildings much longer If the church continues to dwindle in different areas and you or I have not gone to a door and knocked on it or invited a new person to come to a parish activity, your parish activity or the activity down the street at the neighboring church, and one day you get the news that your doors are going to close because of whatever reasons. If you haven't done anything in the last five years, whose fault will that be? you Are going to point fingers at the Archbishop for closing your church? Is it his fault? It's our responsibility. The local community here in Destrehan, the civic community, do they know what they have here? If these doors one day have to close, will they miss it? Or will this just be one awesome piece of real estate to sell to to improve the tax situation of Destrehan? Do they realize that you have the body and blood, soul and divinity of God himself right here down the road? Do they realize what that is? Do they believe in it? Because of your conviction and your ability to share that gift with them. You have a community focused on teaching our kids about loving their neighbor, even the ones they don't know, and loving their enemy. If you lose that and close the doors on that, will it be missed by the civic community? Will they realize what they had in their midst while they had it? And whose job is it to do that? That's our job. We are the vineyard and the tenants in the vineyard of the Lord. And our Lord hasn't yet come telling us, hey, you're failing, I'm going to transfer it to somebody else. Right now, it's still under our care. We have time. But that's my point. What can we do now, beginning now, to make sure that St. Charles Borromeo may actually grow, not just survive, but grow for the next 300 years? Because it's pretty awesome that it's had such a successful track record these past 300. But it now comes to us, in a day and age which has its own storms and challenges, We're preparing to receive in just a few minutes Holy Communion. That word, Communion. It is the living sign and sacrament which is truly Christ, the source of our Communion. You can't say, Lord Jesus, I love you with all my heart. Draw closer to Him without drawing closer to our neighbors, our brothers and sisters who He loves so much. It has to draw us all together. So again, I invite us to pray for a deepening personal share in the weight of his mission. Lord, may your mission not be hindered by my indifference, my passivity, my negativity. May I take ownership for the things happening here, the PSR program, the confirmation retreat, all that's going on here. May I own that more. Lord, may I offer myself and my talents and my time more for those things. If the buildings must one day close in certain areas, That doesn't mean the church can slow down. The church can't slow down. It has to work harder and faster. So we pray also for a greater communion with others with whom Jesus is calling me to share that mission. Greater communion with our priests, our bishops. Greater communion among our fellow parishioners, those in that clique or this clique or the other clique. A greater communion between parishes. And even with our Protestant brothers and sisters, sometimes we're all suffering the same things. We could overcome the things that separate us. May we be less focused on those things that divide us, less identified with unique parish boundaries, and more focused on our shared Catholic identity. We are all of Jesus Christ who prayed at the Last Supper, Father, that they may be one for the world to believe in me. May we hold fast not to our many parish buildings or boundaries, but to one Lord, one church, one community, one family of faith gathered around one. Holy altar, which is our share in the one heavenly sanctuary, built up into one growing and thriving holy communion. That is what this is about, and I ask us to really pray intentionally for that, not just today, but in general. And I know, like I said, I'm speaking with two different kinds of soil, if you will. I know people might, may take this different ways, but at the end of the day, we just need to pray, to come together more, to be open to the initiative of the Holy Spirit to what God wants each of us to do. If you were sleeping, that's fine. That's a good siesta. But it's time to try and kind of be alert to what's going on and to say, Lord, what are you asking me to do more? And who are you asking me to reach out to to build a bridge so that together we can be more effective? May the vineyard of the Lord not suffer decay, But may the tenants, all of them, the hundreds that are in the vineyard of the Lord, realize what they have been given while they still have that responsibility and lift it up higher and extend it more broadly to others. Amen? Amen! St. Charles Borromeo.